Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. My name's Hannah. I'm Dan. I'm Ben. And we are Group Love. If you're dealing with stress or anxiety or just need some help, CalHOPE is here for all Californians with free mental health resources to help you navigate this uncertain time. Go to calhope.org to live chat with one of their incredible listeners. Or call their warm line at 1-833-317-HOPE. That's 1-833-317-H-O-P-E. Hopeless here in California. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free. Until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love movies? Well, I have the podcast for you. Hey there, this is Mike D from Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. Each episode explores a different movie topic, plus spoiler-free reviews on the latest streaming and movies in theaters. You'll also get interviews with actors and directors to take a look behind the scenes of your favorite movies. Listen to new episodes of Movie Mike's Movie Podcast every Monday on the Nashville Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts yeah leaving this message for katie Keurig. this is for this week's episode of turnout i'm leaving my voting story we're finally on the other side of the 2020 presidential election and it's been as promised unprecedented because of highly engaged voters like you I live here in rural Tennessee, just outside Nashville. I'm calling you from Connecticut, Virginia, Chicago, Illinois, Cincinnati, Ohio. You turned out in record numbers. Oaksdale, North Carolina. Michigan, Denver, Colorado, Brooklyn. When all is said and done, 
2020 is projected to have the highest voter turnout rate in more than a century. I'm a gay male from Kentucky. I have some special health needs. I'm blind. I live in a battleground state. I live in a suburb. I have voted both parties in the past. My husband and I. My family of five. We voted. It was great to hear from so many of you this week who called in to share your voting stories. This really is a moment in history that we'll be talking about and analyzing for years to come. I'm 19 years old, and this is my first time voting in a presidential election. With COVID rates on the rise, I decided to vote by mail. We voted absentee about two weeks ago and dropped it off at our city clerk's box. I have a 20-year-old son who rushed home from college to get his ballot in the box. I voted early this year. Back in September, three weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So I actually voted in person. In person on my birthday. My mail-in ballot actually got lost in the mail, but after going to my local election office, I was able to do limited voting. And there was no wait. We were in and out within under 10 minutes. Simple, easy, breezy. Uh, 25 minutes, but the line was moving smoothly. I had to wait in line for 45 minutes. About two hours. I was just glad I was able to vote early and get it out of the way. I wore my Ruth Bader Ginsburg t-shirt. It was an excellent experience. Kudos to the arena and the NBA for making it happen. As a member of a marginalized community, it was just good to like have my vote count and my voice heard as cliche as it sounds. There's a lot of places in my life where, you know, um, I don't always feel that way. I was able to check online, tracked it electronically, so I know that my local board of elections has already received my ballot. I received a text message from the Register of Voters the very next day confirming that they were in receipt of my ballot, so I'm good to go, and that it will be counted. It felt so, so great to finally be able to vote, and especially in such a critical election. I'm Katie Couric, and this is Turnout. It's Friday, November 6th, and today on the podcast, a conversation I just had over Instagram Live with Brian Goldsmith. Now, Brian, many of you know, is a really good friend of mine. We used to do a podcast together. He worked with me at CBS, later at Yahoo. He helped me enormously prepare for my Sarah Palin interview, my infamous or famous interview, depending on your perspective. And he's my go-to guy whenever I have a question about national politics. In fact, I tease him because he was grounded in high school for sneaking out of his room to watch C-SPAN. Yeah, he's that big of a political nerd. So I thought it would be really instructive and helpful for us to do a post-mortem on what happened this week. And since the news is changing so fast and furiously, we wanted you to know that we recorded this conversation at 6 p.m. Eastern time, again on Friday. So enjoy. Let's talk about the election. Okay, so just give us a quick update. It feels like, like when are they gonna call this thing? Um, Help us. I don't know why they haven't called it. I mean, I think I know why, but it doesn't really make sense. Because if you're Fox or the AP and you've already called Arizona, um, Biden wins the presidency just with Nevada. Nobody who's looked at the numbers thinks that Nevada is going to flip back to Trump. So with Nevada and Arizona, Biden hits 270. You know, that's it. Game over. Fat lady sung, et cetera. Okay, if you're all the other networks, you haven't called Arizona. Um, Take a look at Pennsylvania, where uh, Biden's lead is pretty substantial. 
and is getting bigger, not smaller. Now, is there a, like an insane scenario with provisional ballots um, contradicting, you know, the historic patterns of previous provisional ballots, contradicting the counties from which they came? Yes. I mean, I also could be struck by lightning right here, right now. That is conceivably possible. But Biden's going to win Pennsylvania. And once you've accepted that, you know, you get over 270, even under the count that ABC, NBC, CBS and CNN are keeping. And 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 by the way, sorry to interrupt, Brian, but Arizona, it seems I haven't really looked at it in the last hour. I went to the grocery store instead. Uh, Arizona um, is it seems like it's tightening up, Um, isn't it a little bit? And I guess maybe in the event that Arizona gets too close to call, um, that's why maybe the networks, as you said, are waiting for Pennsylvania. So, But he doesn't need Arizona. So even if you were to assume... No, under the I know worst- he doesn't need Arizona, but what I'm saying is maybe they're waiting for Pennsylvania where he has a more sizable lead since they didn't call Arizona. And not that Arizona... I don't know. Is Arizona a little up for grabs? I don't think so. I mean, everybody serious who's looked at this has said that, you know, Biden's lead may narrow a bit. It's I mean, it's over one point now. It's one point three percent and it may shrink a little bit. But I don't think anyone expects Trump to overtake uh, Biden in Arizona. Uh, but OK, so let, but then you even if you take even if you say Arizona is too uncertain and that's why NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN have not called Arizona. You don't you you know, you go over here to Pennsylvania and Biden's lead is about 14000 votes and growing. And then, you know, okay, I'm going to dip down into the you know, where the rest of the votes are. Um, You know, you still have a bunch of Philadelphia votes yet to count. Yes, you have some provisionals, but they are not going to be strongly Republican enough to overcome the 80 20 margin that Biden is getting from a lot of votes out of Pennsylvania. I mean, I think there's actually, you know, uh, most people think that Biden's margin in Pennsylvania is going to be significantly bigger in the end than Trump's margin was in that state four years ago when all the Republicans were proclaiming a landslide, you know. Was this election a huge repudiation of Donald Trump? When you see that the Republicans gained seats in the House, when you see that they it looks right now with the Georgia runoff expected two Georgia runoffs expected uh, that they're holding the Senate majority. But yet the president uh, wasn't able to pull it off. So was this really about Donald Trump and Donald Trump only? Well, it certainly was not a huge repudiation of Republicans. Um, Republicans down ballot, you know, for the most part, seem to outperform the top of the ticket a little bit. Um, Often you'll see the opposite. Um, And in terms of the presidential race itself, uh, Trump performed pretty respectably. I mean, he won Ohio. He won Florida. He won Florida pretty comfortably. Um, He won uh, uh, North Carolina. Um, he kept it close in a number of the other key battleground states. Now, in terms of the popular vote, it's not going to be that close. I think Biden's on track to win the popular vote by five or six or even seven million. 
I think it's going to be a bigger popular vote margin than Obama's over Romney in 12. Um, but the Electoral College, which is where this is really fought and decided, was was a bit closer. You know, I think Biden's on track for 306, which is precisely the number, as we've discussed, that um, Trump got four years ago. So I think there's going to be some soul searching, uh, frankly, in both parties about, you know, what they got right and what they got wrong. And it's it's really a mixed bag for both. You're right. I mean, I think President Trump did much better than a lot of people expected. And I think it just underscored once again how divided this country is, that so many people still uh, really felt more comfortable with Donald Trump than Joe Biden for a host of reasons. What primarily do you believe were the reasons, Brian? I think it was primarily ideological. I think there were a number of voters who were uncomfortable with Trump personally and temperamentally. They had doubts about his capacity for the job, but they were convinced, um, based on their own predispositions to be kind of center or center right, that the Democrats were a little too extreme, that Biden was a Trojan horse for the radical left. I mean, I worked in Florida this cycle and you know, we did seven or eight focus groups with Trump 2016 voters who were considering voting for Biden. And that argument resonated with them. They were scared by what they saw, you know, that the media was focusing heavily on Bernie and Warren and AOC. You know, they had, they had gone through this kind of summer of, of racially charged protest, um, of riots, of, um, you know, defund the police, which is perhaps the worst political slogan in American history, with the possible exception of socialist. Um, and, and they heard both those things, you know, and I thought it was striking. Abigail Spanberger, who's a, a congresswoman from your home state of I Virginia, or home commonwealth, I should call it, right? Yes. Um, she was on this call with uh, other House Democrats kind of hashing over the election return. She barely survived. You know, she's from a tough red to blue district and she erupted and she's a pretty mild mannered, you know, national security professional, moderate Democrat. And and she just said, you know, unless we excise socialism, defund the police, this kind of hard left um, uh, stench from our party, um, we're going to get, you know, bleeping uh, walloped or something to that effect uh, in two years. And it is a problem. I worked a congressional race, which is still too close to call, in a Republican district in Northern California. And what did the Republican independent groups choose to focus on in the last two weeks of the campaign? It was defund the police. It was socialism. It was riots. It was anarchy. And I think for a lot of, you know, and rightly or wrongly, for a lot of white swing voters in suburban communities, that whole line of argument was really scary. And I think, and you also saw finally in the exit polling, the voters who decided at the end, just as in 2016, broke for Trump. Now we'll see how the exit poll evolves as it's kind of reweighted and adjusted as we go. But I, I think that's pretty significant too. And I think that's probably a word of warning for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in terms of how they approach governing if in fact, uh, Joe Biden is elected, as it appears he will be, uh, that when it comes to, you know, holding on to progressive principles is one thing, like 
healthcare, pre, you know, fixing healthcare, pre-existing conditions, even universal healthcare, potentially something like uh, the Green New Deal, as long as it doesn't put a ton of people out of work. I mean, I think all those things are going to have to be seen through a new lens, don't you? Uh, not that they're not important issues to tackle, but it has to be done carefully, right? Yeah. I mean, and Biden was thoughtful during the campaign about distancing himself from some of these ideas. He did not endorse the Green New Deal. He said he had his own plan. He uh, publicly, repeatedly broke from defund the police. Right. He said rioters should be prosecuted. Um, and he needed to do all of those things. Um, the question is, why did he need to do all of those things? Why was that even a conversation that was happening? And it was because some activists who were almost exclusively from deep blue urban areas were, were pushing those issues to the detriment of politicians who had to compete on much less friendly terrain. And in order for the Democrats to govern, uh, to win the Senate, uh, to have a significant majority in the House, they got to win a lot of areas that are center, center right in this country. Yeah. And, and this stuff is challenging. I think that Claire McCaskill talked about that this morning. I saw her saying that the progressive wing of the party has to appreciate people who are running in much more conservative areas. I thought about my sister who was running for lieutenant governor with Mark Warner before she was diagnosed with cancer and had to drop out of the race. But she was really good at kind of, I mean, she was quite a moderate Democrat of, of working with people in Charlottesville, but also in larger Albemarle County, which was quite, you know, had a lot of conservative voters uh, there as well. And, you know, I think sort of, we talked about it last night, Brian, sort of cancel culture and this self-righteous smugness that you're an idiot if you don't see things my way, um, which I think can can feel like it's coming from uber uber progressives can be very off-putting to more moderate voters. I mean, you can believe two things at the same time. You can believe there is a history of systemic racism in this country, that systemic racism is a problem here now today that has to be addressed, that there needs to be more economic opportunity. Those are majority positions. Black Lives Matter has a majority favorability rating in the country. So you don't want to overlearn the lesson, you know, uh, voters of color are the core of the Democratic Party. You don't want to push them away. But you also don't want to push away uh, the 70% of the electorate that is white um, and that feels like um, they're being blamed, um, they're being excluded, they're being chastised. Or schooled. And, you know, I, I don't yeah. know whether I told you this, Brian, but I saw, uh, I feel the same way, that it is possible. Everything has become so black, white, left, right, that you can you can want to reform the police department and feel that that it's patently unfair that black men are uh, subjected to profiling and, and police brutality much more often than white people. You can also respect and appreciate what the police do and support Black Lives Matter. And there was a Venn diagram that Billie Jean King put on her Instagram. I don't know if I told you this. It might have been David Brooks I was talking to. I get all you guys mixed up. All we're you we're confused guys. for each other all the time. <laughs> yeah. So anti-Semitic of you, Katie. In the, middle, in the middle, it said me. 
And it was Billy, you know, and I thought, yeah, why, why do we have to necessarily pick sides and say you're either pro-police or pro-Black Lives Matter? And I guess a lot of, um, you know, activists will say, well, you can't be both. But I think that's honestly where a lot of people are. You know, they want to respect and appreciate good policing and good officers and also help them be better officers and weed out bad officers. And, uh, you know, but as somebody who is not a, a black person, you know, I have a, a different outlook and a different life experience. So I cannot necessarily, uh, you know, appreciate what it's like to be a black man in America. And so I understand the the anger that has been built up over years and years and years of racial profiling and just blatant, you know, out and out racism. Anyway, I completely agree with that. But let me just say, if you listen to the voices of black people uh, and uh, Latinos, support for defund the police was actually significantly less among those groups than among the white left. This podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is uh, more of a kind of white elite left issue than it is uh, among actual black and brown voters. Um, you know, my favorite example of this is the term Latinx, um, which is, you know, the very kind of hip woke term for Latinos and Latinas in this country. Only problem with it is if you actually listen to Latinos and Latinas, Hispanics, they identify those terms with those terms. They understand those terms. They don't know what Latinx is. And Ruben Gallego, who's a, uh, a Hispanic member of Congress from working class Latino uh, district in Arizona, the day after the election tweeted, you know, one thing we got to start doing uh, <laughs> if we want to win over more uh, Hispanic voters or Latino voters is stop using 
the term Latinx because they don't understand it. Pew did a poll that showed that only 3% of Americans, uh, actually, I think it was 3% of Latinos, had ever heard the term or used the term Latinx. So to me, that's like exhibit A of the disconnect sometimes between, you know, what are known as like extremely online people who are primarily upscale and white and urban and the voters that Democrats need to win. It's Chuck Wicks from Love Country Talk to Chuck, where we bring you what's really happening in the country music family. We also, if you love country, here's the deal. If you love country music, you can be on the podcast. So if you're a fan of country music, well, you can call in anytime. You'd be like, oh, I want to talk about this. Hulk Hogan called in season one. He's like, Chuck, the Hulkster, I love your podcast. I mean, Jason Aldean, Jimmy Allen, Carly Pierce, Lauren Elena, so many huge stars have been on Love Country Talk to Chuck. Season two is going to get even better going to have the same big giant huge stars but i think it's time to bring some people in the studio right off the street you love country music fine come talk to chuck that's how cool we are i'm just saying it i'm saying it out loud listen to new episodes of love country talk to chuck every monday and thursday on the nashville podcast network available on the iheart radio app apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts Hey, y'all, this is Caroline Hobby, the host of Get Real with Caroline Hobby. Honest women, honest talk. I love podcasting. It is so much fun because I have the most in-depth, spiritual, soulful, real, honest conversations with women who are mothers, who are entrepreneurs, who have started their own businesses, who are married to celebrities, who are celebrities themselves. These women are juggling motherhood, being a career woman, starting their own businesses, taking leaps, knowing when to jump. These women are incredible and the conversations are so real. It will hit every nerve in your body as a woman. A little bit about myself. I was a country music artist in a trio. I traveled the country, opened for every celebrity you can imagine in country music. I also have been on The Amazing Race twice and I'm married to Michael Hobby, who is the lead singer of A Thousand Horses. And we have our precious daughter, Sunny, who's two. Listen to new episodes of Get Real with Caroline Hobby every Monday on the Nashville Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome to our show. I'm Zoe Deschanel, and I'm so excited to be joined by my friends and castmates, Hannah Simone and Lamorne Morris, to recap our hit television series, New Girl. Join us every Monday on the Welcome to Our Show podcast, where we'll share behind-the-scenes stories of your favorite New Girl episodes, reveal the truth behind the legendary game True American, and discuss how the show got made with the writers, guest stars, and directors who made the show so special. Fans have been begging us to do a New Girl recap for years, and we finally made a podcast where we answer all your burning questions like, is there really a bear in every episode of New Girl? Plus, each week you'll hear hilarious stories like this. At the end when he says, you got some Schmidt on your face, I feel like I pitched that joke. I believe that. I feel like I did. I'm not a thousand percent. I want to say that was, I I, I tossed that one out. Listen to the Welcome to Our Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about some other... uh, lessons that we've learned here. So we've realized that that the socialism message, the anti-socialism message really resonated with a lot of voters. What about the economy? Do you think that the Biden campaign made a strong enough connection between getting 
COVID-19, getting the pandemic under control and jumpstarting the economy? I think they tried. Uh, Biden gave a number of speeches and interviews on this topic. Um, I think they were aware of the challenge. So I'm not going to fault what they did or didn't do. But the net result was insufficient. Um, you know, even uh, coming off the worst economic collapse in history, even with the worst jobs record of any president since Hoover, you know, Trump went into Election Day with a consistent advantage on who do you trust to handle the economy? Um, and that that was a problem. You know, the economy is usually one of the biggest issues, if not the biggest issue. I believe that once all the exit poll data is is kind of weighted and compiled, we will see that it's the biggest issue again uh, in 2020. And and Democrats cannot lose on the economy. That's kind of the core of 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 who we are. We're fighting for more economic opportunity. And I I, I sometimes worry, um, or at least I worried over the course of the Trump presidency, that a number of Democrats were so distracted by the the horror show of of Trump um, that the message kind of boiled down to this is not who we are. America is better than this. Trump's behavior is abominable. And a lot of people would agree with that. And then they would still support Trump because they thought that Trump was more able to deliver economic improvements for them um, in their lives. And, And so, you know, a huge focus for Joe Biden from day one has got to be Um, helping people rebuild economically, helping the country rebuild economically. And and this leads, unfortunately, to the discussion about, you know, in all likelihood, Democrats are not going to have the Senate. And it's going to be very, very difficult for Democrats to get things done uh, legislatively. Having said that, as I said last night, is there a chance because of Biden's personal relationships with some of these folks that it will just be less rancorous and it will, um, or do you think they're gonna be complete obstructionists? You and I, of course, I interviewed Mitch McConnell at Yahoo and asked him about saying, as soon as Barack Obama was elected, we're gonna spend, you know, our our number one job for the Republican party is to make sure he isn't reelected, uh, which, it, you know, not even a, a honeymoon period of saying, what can we do together? And of course, healthcare passed with not one Republican vote. And so, um, you know, are you, do you have any optimism that after an exhausting four years that the parties possibly could work together? I think it is possible on a few issues that a few Republicans, you know, Susan Collins or Mitt Romney or, you know, Republicans without any kind of national political ambitions, Republicans who are not afraid of their base, Republicans who do, you know, uh, feel a sense of responsibility to the country, um, you know, may work with him on those things. But uh, I, I hope I'm wrong. I think by and large what the Obama presidency taught us is that the Republicans for the most part, have decided that the best political strategy is to oppose the Democratic president at every turn. And therefore, when the Democratic president can't get certain things done um, and gets no bipartisan support, the Republicans are able to blame him for those things and voters blame the president for those things. So, you know, Obama, I think over and over again, was willing to to meet the Republicans halfway, sometimes even more than that, they weren't willing 
in many cases to move an inch. And yet in 2010 and 2014, the voters blamed Obama for being unable to produce, you know, bipartisan legislative successes. So it's a kind of a cynical strategy, of course, but it's an effective one. And I think, you know, McConnell and most of the Senate Republicans are going to look very quickly to 2022 when they have the opportunity to expand their majority potentially in the Senate to win back the House, which is far more possible today than it looked, you know, before this election. And I think the obstruction strategy is going to feel like the right strategy to them. And also with the runoffs, if the two Democrats win in Georgia, and you were saying before in another conversation we had that turnout is very difficult uh, when you don't have a presidential election. So it might be more difficult, although Stacey Abrams has built quite uh, an organization in Georgia, and I'm sure we'll be working very hard for these for these Senate races. It's not impossible. I think there's a chance. I, I, I do think there's a chance. I think, you know, Biden's going to win Georgia. So the votes are there. Um, but, you know, do all of those votes from a from a presidential election uh, turn out in January for a Senate runoff? Maybe it's possible. Um, if I had to bet money, I would bet that the, you know, the Republicans tend to turn out more. Um, Republicans historically do better in these off-year elections because they show up um, over and over and over again. And Democrats tend to be, uh, tend to vote more intermittently um, and and mostly in presidential years. Um, And so, you know, uh, Biden certainly knows the stakes. Um, I I don't think they're going to want for money. I think Act Blue will funnel, you know, millions and millions of dollars to these two, you know, very impressive, attractive Democratic candidates. Uh, But I just I think it's it's a heavy lift. Uh, But but, you know, we should try. We should certainly try. But I'm trying to give you honest analysis about what I think the likelihood is. By the way, a lot of people are asking about Kamala Harris's Senate seat, Brian. Yeah, it's funny. I was just talking about this, uh, actually, um, uh, on a a different uh, interview. And I think um, I think there are two front runners. Um, Newsom, the governor of California, gets to pick uh, uh, Kamala's successor, uh, Vice President-elect Harris, in my view. Um, and uh, I, I think those are uh, Karen Bass, who was a runner-up uh, for the uh, VP slot, who is a, an enormously impressive person, a, a master legislator, um, the first black woman speaker of the California Assembly. Um, you know, I, I know her, I like her. She'd be a terrific choice. Um, and the and and by the way, you then get uh, another black woman in the Senate um, to replace the only black woman in the Senate uh, now. Um, the second choice, um, who I think is probably more likely to get picked, is um, Alex Padilla, who is California's Secretary of State, who would be the first Latino senator ever from California. Um, that is, you know, that's sort of hard ma- to believe, isn't it? It is hard to believe, and we're a majority minority state. Uh, Latinos are actually, by proportion of population, the biggest group in California, slightly edging out whites, um, but in terms of voters, have been quite underrepresented over the years. And I think um, the governor feels a deep sense of history. He also goes back a long way with Padilla, who actually, and, and the six junkies watching this will appreciate it, when Newsom ran for governor in the primaries against Jerry Brown 10 years ago, 
Alex Padilla was actually the chairman of Newsom's campaign. So they go back a long way. And I think, you know, and he's very impressive. And I, I think, you know, if I had to bet, he would probably get picked. Let's talk about turnout. Uh, I understand this is going to be the largest turnout in something like 100 years. Uh, and um, I think people were more, perhaps more engaged in, in this election than they have in any election of, of my lifetime, certainly. Uh, do, do you have any idea about the turnout numbers? Did a lot of young people come out and vote? Did a lot of seniors? Or is it hard to tell until all the mail-in ballots are, are, are counted and we can really analyze the people who voted? It's hard to tell accurately demographic by demographic, but I can say overall turnout is way up. We know that. I mean, uh, and on both sides, which is, I think, a surprise to a lot of people. People were expecting a blue surge. They weren't expecting a red surge. And we got both. So, you know, Trump is now just under 70 million votes. I think he got 63 or 64 million last time. Um, Hillary got, I think, 66 million last time. Uh, Biden is now at 74 million. I mean, I think he's going to get to 75 million once California is fully counted. Um, so huge increase in turnout uh, on both sides. And I would be shocked if it weren't, you know, driven by uh, young people as well as older people. But, um, you know, I, the thing that the Trump people got mocked for um, for years, saying that they were going to bring out a lot more white non-college voters um, turns out they probably did. I think the blue surge was was clearly bigger and 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 overtook them. Uh, but you know the Republicans turned out and 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 Trump's supporters turned out and 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 they are going to be a force in our politics, a huge force for years to come. And I would not bet against anyone whose last name is Trump in the 2024 Republican primaries. In fact, I saw last. This podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Tonight, there was an article that said he had already been discussing, by the way, I can't vouch for this, but it was, I think, Mediaite saying that he had already been floating the idea of if he lost about running in 2024. I was going to tweet it and say, too soon? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's very possible. I think it's very, very possible. And and a lot of people are talking about that. Um, He he would be 78, uh, which is about Joe Biden's age. Um, He would want to, of course, avenge um, his loss um, I think if the Democratic nominee is Vice President Kamala Harris, he would relish the opportunity to have a full-on race and gender war against somebody who symbolizes the America that he is fighting against tooth and nail. Um, you know, David Axelrod had this great line that, you know, uh, Joe Biden was very culturally inconvenient for Donald Trump. And it's true, you know, working class kid from Scranton, PA, not part of the 60s protest movement, not part of the 2020 woke squad. You know, it was very hard to demonize uh, Joe Biden or to make him a scary figure. I mean, in fact, you know, Donald Trump bought himself an impeachment trying to disqualify Joe Biden because he knew, I mean, give him credit, he knew very early on that Biden was going to be a deeply problematic opponent uh, for him. Well, uh, I don't think he views... uh, Kamala Harris the same way. Now, he may be really underestimating her, and she may build an equally, if not more powerful coalition driven by, you know, different demographics. But I just think from the, you know, from inside, you know, Trump's kind of prejudiced, addled, uh, heat-seeking brain, um, you know, I think the possibility of running against a woman and a black woman, um, I think is probably in a sick way, very appealing to him. Let's talk about criminal charges that any of the Trump family may face. Is that a possibility at all, given all the investigations that are going on in the Southern District of New York about, you know, improprieties with his charities, uh, certain things that have been done tax wise? Um, Do you think that those will go anywhere? Yeah, I think they might. Um, I think you have the New York State Attorney General looking into Trump's business and his charity, his fraudulent charity. I think you have the Southern District of New York looking into this stuff. And I think the great unanswered question is, um, does Trump try to pardon himself? I actually have very little doubt that he's going to try to pardon everyone around him. I think that's how he's going to try to buy the loyalty of all of these people who haven't kind of, you know, flipped to use the the mafia parlance. Um, But I think it is, it is a kind of uncertain legal ground for a president to try to pardon himself. You know, that could go to the Supreme Court. Is, is Amy Coney Barrett the deciding vote on that? I don't know. Can, can a president, a president can in fact pardon himself or one day herself? Well, no, no one has tried before. Nixon, you know, had enough propriety that he wouldn't even dream of trying. Um, but I, I don't think Trump respects these, you know, these norms and traditions at all. Um, and so if it's a possible, I mean, I, I certainly don't think Bill Barr is going to stand in his way. I think he's going to get a favorable opinion from Barr's Justice Department. 
Um, and then it'll probably be, you know, fought out in the courts. And, and you know, if, if there's anything we know about Trump, that, you know, he pushes the limits. And most of the time he gets away with it. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you just can't even remember it, like washes over us. All of the stuff that he's done, any one of which would have been like a presidency ending scandal for previous presidents. And yet he just, you know, like, Old Man River, he just keeps rolling along. And, you know, I think, uh, I think he may try. When P.T. Barnum's Great American Museum burned to the ground in 1865, what rose from its ashes would change the world. Welcome to Grim and Mild Presents, an ongoing journey into the strange, the unusual, and the fascinating. For our inaugural season, we'll be giving you a backstage tour of the always complex and often misunderstood cultural artifact that is the American Sideshow. So come along as we visit the shadowy corners of the stage and learn about the people who were at the center of it all. In a place where spectacle was king, we will soon discover there's always more to the story than meets the eye. So step right up and get in line. Listen to Grim and Mile Presents now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more over at grimandmild.com slash presents. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities, we just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, Lethal listeners, Tig here. Last season on Lethal Lit, you might remember I came to Hollow Falls on a mission, clearing my Aunt Beth's name and making sure justice was finally served. But I hadn't counted on a rash of new murderers tearing apart the town. My mission put myself and my friends in danger. Though it wasn't all bad. I'm gonna be real with you, Tig. I like you. But now, all signs point to a new serial killer in Hollow Falls. If this game is just starting, you better believe I'm gonna win. I'm Tig Torres. And this is Lethal Lit. Catch up on season one of the hit murder mystery podcast, Lethal Lit, a Tig Torres mystery, out now. And then tune in for all new thrills in season two, dropping weekly starting February 9th. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. Listen to Lethal Lit on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What about these claims of voter fraud that seem to have absolutely no merit? It saddens me to see people on this live interview still claiming fraud. We've heard that there have been no incidents or very few incidents or I guess zero incidents. I'm sure there have been some cases of sketchy things going on. I mean, can you really have an election with 0.0 cases of of kind of questionable voting behavior? Yeah, there've got to be a few, there've got to be a few. But, you know, <laughs> no one has presented any evidence 
of anything significant. I mean, I don't think anyone's presented any evidence of a single ballot in this cycle being, you know, uh, fraudulent in the sense that somebody tried to, like, double vote or cancel out somebody else's vote or, or something like that. I mean, people make plenty of mistakes, of course. And we're seeing that all over Pennsylvania in a way that, by the way, advantaged Donald Trump, not Joe Biden, because, you know, people had to kind of go through this complicated new procedure with an inner envelope and an outer envelope and signatures. And I mean, it was a whole it was a whole thing. Um, but, you know, I, I give great credit to Pat Toomey, the conservative Republican senator from Pennsylvania, who went on the Today Show this morning and said, you know, there's just no evidence for what the president's saying. And he ought to quit, say, he ought to quit saying it. Um, but, you know, there is a divide in the Republican Party between, you know, the retiring Republicans, Toomey's not running again in 2022, who are being honest about this stuff, um, you know, or the, or the retired Republicans who, you know, many of whom supported Biden, and the Republicans with ambition, um, who are, you know, in some cases fanning the flames. Now, I will say Kevin McCarthy, the House Republican leader, went on Fox last night, said that Trump won the election, you know, definitively said that Trump won to the big Fox primetime audience. I think he was on the Laura Ingram show. He then posted that on social media, knowing exactly what he said, spread it around, and then today walked it back. Today, he said he was misunderstood. And what he meant was that Trump had won by helping down-ballot House and Senate Republicans, which, of course, was not what he meant. Uh, but I do think it's noteworthy that he felt the need to walk it back, that, you know, you, you have the news uh, uh, voices on Fox who are mostly being pretty responsible here. Right. I mean, apparently Trump is calling Rupert Murdoch and others and, and yelling about the Fox coverage, that they're not parroting his line that the whole thing was stolen. I think Fox, you know, on some level is already looking a little bit past Trump and and they may actually have a, you know, set aside whatever their moral views are. They have a business interest in, in potentially being kind of the the uh, opposition party because historically their ratings have gone up, not down when a Democrat's in, in the White House. So let's talk about the concession speech. Will it... <laughs> You think there will be one? I, I don't think there's ever going to be one. That's my question. At some point, yeah. do you think if Donald Trump has lost, that he really wants to go down in history as the uh, most churlish, most bitter, uh, defeated president of all time? Um, it's, <laughs> it's such I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Better than being a loser. You know, I think for Donald Trump... <laughs> There were always only two outcomes to this election. Either he won or it was stolen. Those are the only two and possible he was outcomes. Setting the, he was setting the foundation for that for months and months and months, despite the fact that mail-in voting was always going to have to be a necessary thing, especially in the midst of a pandemic. I was watching John McCain's concession speech in 2008. I saw you posted that. Hillary yeah. Clinton's in 2016, which someone said was not gracious and that could not be further from the truth. It was uh, moving, but she was, you know, very magnanimous towards Donald Trump. So you think what what is going to happen in the next two months before the inauguration? Uh, I think he is going to be churlish and uncooperative. 
I think he's not going to like be physically dragged out of the White House. I think he's going to leave. But I think that is the most he will do. I think, and again, I, I hope to death that I am wrong. I don't think he's going to uh, send the message to, you know, the, the dregs and crooks who populate his administration to cooperate in any sense with the, the incoming administration. I think Biden, based on the combination of COVID and the economy and Donald Trump, is going to have by far the worst and most difficult transition of any incoming president ever. I think Trump is going to say that, you know, the deep state plotted against him, the fraudulent votes and, and big media and big tech and all this stuff that he's using is what pushed him out of the White House. But he knows he won and you know he won and this is all a fraud and Biden's illegitimate. Um, I don't think he's going to invite the Bidens in for the traditional coffee before the inauguration. I don't think he's going to attend Biden's inauguration. Um, I'd be surprised if he did that. Uh, you know, traditionally, of course, um, the outgoing president invites the president-elect shortly after the elect, couple days after the election to the White House for a very civil and cordial meeting. You know, the last uh, election like this was um, uh, when Obama defeated Romney. And I think a couple of weeks after the election, uh, Obama invited R Romney in for lunch. And they had a very, you know, by all accounts, a very friendly, cordial conversation for about an hour. Uh, President Obama invited President-elect Trump uh, to the White House, I think, two days after the 2016 election and, and had him to lunch. And, and I just think he's going to, you know, he, he's just blowing up all the norms. And, and the, the real loser is our, is our institutions and our democracy and public trust. And this is really dangerous stuff. Well, Brian, it's been so fun uh, talking to you about all this stuff. You guys can see why I always call Brian when I have qu political oh, questions. Oh, thank you, Katie. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Brian. Turnout is a production of iHeartMedia and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are Katie Couric and Courtney Litz. Supervising producers, Lauren Hansen. Associate producers, Derek Clements. Eliza Costas and Emily Pinto. Editing by Derek Clements and Lauren Hansen. Mixing by Derek Clements. Our researcher is Gabriel Loser. And special thanks to my right hand woman, Adriana Fazio. You can follow me at all my election coverage at Katie Couric. Meanwhile, yes, I'm Katie Couric. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Kenley Jansen here, three-time All-Star and World Series champ. Si está lidiando con estrés, vaya a calhope.org para chatear en vivo con uno de los increíbles oyentes o llama a su línea directa al 1-833-317-HOPE. Hope vive aquí en California. Here's to the great American settlers. The millions of you who settled for unsatisfying jobs because they pay the bills. Of course, there is something else you could do if you got something to say. Start a podcast with Spreaker from iHeart and unleash your creative freedom. Maybe even earn enough money to one day tell your old boss, hey, I'm no settler, I'm an explorer. Spreaker.com, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Hustle on over today. 
It's Chuck Wicks from Love Country Talk to Chuck, where we bring you what's really happening in the country music family. We also, if you love country, here's the deal. If you love country music, you can be on the podcast. So if you're a fan of country music, well, you can call in anytime. You'd be like, oh, I want to talk about this. Hulk Hogan called in. He's like, Chuck, the Hulkster. I love your podcast. Jason Aldean, Jimmy Allen, Carly Pierce, Lauren Elena. Listen to new episodes of Love Country Talk to Chuck every Monday and Thursday on the Nashville Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.